0: This is the second recording of uh, lesson number one, and unfortunately, if you're listening to this, the first recording did not tape uh, during the actual Sunday School lessons, so I'm re-recording this for you, uh, unfortunately, without the uh, audience participation, but we will get through. Before we start, uh, I I wanted to let you know and find out if anybody had ever heard of the, uh, the story that I found online about the married couple that went to the wishing well. And uh, nobody had heard about it in the class, so I wanted to tell the story. This married couple went to a wishing well, and um, the uh, the man leaned over and obviously made a wish and tossed in his penny. And his wife wanted to do the same thing. So she leaned over. Unfortunately, she leaned over too far and actually fell in the well and fell all the way to the bottom, and she drowned. And uh, the guy, with a astonished look on his face, was heard saying, wow, this thing really works. And, of course, uh, we did get some laughter in the class, and uh, which you do not hear now, but there was. The uh, the other one I wanted to let you know is, are you aware that there are three rings in a marriage? There are three rings. Uh, that first would be the engagement ring. second would be the wedding ring. And the third is suffering. And we did get some chuckles out of that one also, although I don't believe that. It was just a joke. <coughs> but on the more serious things uh, lesson one was a lesson entitled he said she said and we discussed the differences between men and women why god made us different uh... what our differences and and why he did that and what are our specific roles in the marriage because of that you know god designed and created marriage is a, is a good thing it is a priceless gift and marriage helps us eliminate loneliness it multiplies our effectiveness in other words when Michelle and I do things together and work together as a team, we get much, much more accomplished than if I were to work alone. So it, uh, you're much more effective, and uh, and it's fun doing it with your spouse. And also, when God chooses in His right time, in His infinite wisdom, He does allow us to establish families and to raise children and enjoy life with His with your partner. Uh, but beyond that, <clears throat> beyond that, it shows us. Our need to grow and to deal with our own issues of self centeredness and selfishness, and then we do this through the help of our spouse. We learn how to love an imperfect spouse unconditionally, don't we? Because, see, unfortunately, most of the time we put conditions on our spouses, don't we? We actually hold them to a higher standard most of the time than we're willing to accept ourselves. And what we need to learn to do is through the help of God obviously is to learn how to love unconditionally and realize that your spouse is imperfect and love him anyway. See unconditional love it's it's eagerly promised at all weddings, but it's rarely practiced in real life. You know, and as a result, romantic hopes are often replaced with disappointment and misunderstanding about your spouse. And that usually results in communication issues in the home communication issues usually start uh, where there are small arguments and issues that you don't know how to resolve, but usually then you lash out, you say things that you shouldn't, ends up being a communication block where uh, you stop talking altogether. So the burning question that we have in class today is, how do we fulfill our God-given roles in marriage? Well, I think before we understand our roles, we need to understand and appreciate the differences between men and women and why God made us different. And for that, we need to look back in Genesis. Where it all started. Let's look at Genesis 127. Genesis 127 reads, And God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And said, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over it. And further on down in verse 31, he says, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So we see here in uh, Genesis, and let's jump over real quick to Genesis 5 in verse 2, because it reiterates the same thing. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. And he named them man in the day when they were created. So we see in these two verses, we know that in creation God spoke everything into existence and it was perfect. God made a perfect creation. That includes man and women, men and women, Adam and Eve. He made man perfect, he made Adam to rule over the world, to rule over the garden and all the animals, and he knew that he knew that Adam needed a helper. Someone to keep him company. And therefore he made Eve out of man, out of Adam. <clears throat> now these two were totally different, yet very compatible. God did this on purpose. They were working side by side. In fact, even in further in Genesis you read where they walked hand in hand in the garden. <clears throat> they walked in the cool of the day with God and communed with God together. You don't read any verses in Genesis where Eve was upset because Adam got to rule the, all the animals and she wanted to take care of the birds and rule them uh and and she wanted a part of that. You don't have any you don't have any quarrels or complaints between the two. They were very different like you and I are today, but yet very compatible. And God did that on purpose. See with all the differences between Adam and Eve, God saw what he had done was good. Um he meant for us to complement each other, <clears throat> and let me give you an example. You know, men, we are stronger uh, in stature. God made us that way. Uh, we are, as far as emotions, a little bit more stable. Uh, we don't let things get to us as much as our counterpart, which isn't wrong for them. We are supposed to be the rock that our wives can stand on, the strong emotional one. Wives, God did make you a little more emotional. But along with that, you are more caring and compassionate, more loving, soft-spoken, tender. All these qualities are so very important in a female. Why? Well, take the example of a child. A child that's um, upset, scared, hurt, and crying. Who do they normally go to? Well, they normally go to the mother or the female. Why? Because she's all these things. Compassionate and caring and loving, and she's able to take care of those needs, where the husband doesn't quite have the, that emotional tie, and most of the time might tell the son to, or the daughter to just suck it up. Come on, suck it up. It's okay. You can you can handle it. I used to, and that's the type of attitude some guys have. That's the way we were made. But let's go a step further, because we're talking about how we're t- completely opposites, but we we are molded together and we're compatible. Let's take that same situation where, instead of the child being hurt, unfortunately there's a tragedy, it's a trage- tragedy, you know. And God knows <clears throat> everything is in in God's hands, but you, uh, the loss of a child, perhaps, and absolutely something that's very hard for somebody to take. This is where the man needs to step in and be that rock that 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 uh, that the wife can lean up against. And, the, and he can be the one that's got the, uh, the emotions under control and try to lead his family through this struggle. And at this particular situation, the wife needs the husband. Whereas earlier, the female was the one that was the one that was important. And so you can see that the totally different types of people, emotionally and physically, but yet they're compatible, and that's the way God designed it. Perfect. See, there was no problems back in the garden. His design was flawless. So who's at fault? What 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 happened here? Why is there differences in, in struggles in our marriage? Well, very simply, sin entered the relationship, and the conflict began between the sexes. Let's look at Genesis 3.15, because it talks about the punishment for sin. You know, it's ironic we talked about last week about Luke six, talking about uh, not to place the blame, and uh, you need to look at yourself and the problems that you have. Try to fix yourself. Don't don't push the uh, problem off onto your spouse, and make him or her the 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 scapegoat. But yeah, here we see in Genesis that uh, Adam and Eve started that. They were the first ones. Not only did they first sin against God by disobeying, but then the second sin was. Uh, was blaming each other. Eve, Eve didn't take responsibility. she blamed the serpent. Adam, Adam was even worse. he didn't take responsibility, and he was right there. Not only did he blame Eve, but he also blamed God. Do you remember the story He said God, you you made her for me. It's not my fault. She's the one that did it. and then you made her. and that's blaming God, trying to put off uh, put off the blame, being selfish, being self-centered. And that's what we talked about last week, what you need to avoid. But let's look at Genesis 3.15 because it talks about now what we're going to struggle with, why you and I struggle in our marriage. This is because of sin. And this, is the, this is the result of sin. Verse 15 of Genesis 3. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and she shall bruise your, you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel and it, further goes, it goes further to explain some more of the uh, difficulties that we are going to have. But um, that first verse, I will put enmity between you and a woman, Ian uh, sounds pretty harsh. So I looked up enmity and, uh, in the Webster's Dictionary, and you're going to be shocked to hear what it has to say about our struggles. Enmity is a feeling or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, or antagonism. It's a mutual hatred. You're saying, "Wow, Wayne, that that's not our marriage. You know, I love my wife and and she loves me. You know, yeah, we have some problems, but it's not that bad." Well, let's break it down. Hostility. Have you ever raised your voice in an argument? Have you ever been upset and let your emotions get away from you because of a situation? Well, you've shown hostility. That's what you're going to struggle with. What about hatred? You might say, well, I got you there, Wayne, I've, I've never said I hated my wife. Or I've never said I've, I've hated my husband. Well, let's look at what God says and the Bible says about sin. Does it not say that if you've lusted after someone, you've already committed adultery and you're hurt? What about, uh, what about hatred? If you've, if you've wished ill will on somebody, if you've, if you've hated them, wanted them hurt, you've already committed murder in your heart, that's, how, that's what God thinks about sin. That's how bad it is. So have you ever caught yourself gritting your teeth? Oh, I can't stand what she does. Or, wow, oh, he just gets under my nerves, under my skin. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Well, enmity. This is the struggle you have, hatred, because we are selfish people. Ill will, animosity. What about antagonism? I find this to be a good one. How many times do we have to get the last word in an argument? And what about getting that dig in, getting those words in that you know, you know is going to upset them, but you want to get them in anyway, because you want to prove a point. Has it ever solved the problem? No, it hasn't. Has your has your spouse ever come to you and said, wow, I really appreciate you bringing up the past and, and, and uh, calling me a dummy, because that fixed my problem, and I think I'm back on track? You're never going to hear that. No, in fact... All these things that we're talking about, enmity, actually spawn more problems. You never end up dealing with the one issue that you need to deal with because you've let your selfishness get in the way and you've spoke out of turn or, you, or you've or you been antagonistic, and now you've spawned more problems that need to be dealt with that shouldn't have been brought up in the first place. <clears throat> at this point in the in the lesson, we looked at the video clip, and unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see that uh, on the tape or hear it. I don't have it. But the videotape, the videotape uh, was uh, Caleb complaining with a coworker, and uh, his basic complaint was that Catherine doesn't respect him at all, and that's the whole, sole reason for the for the marriage trouble. In fact. Caleb is so selfish that he never once mentions himself. Again, one of the major problems that, that does arise in marriages is selfishness and not wanting to admit that you are part of the problem. Well, there was no different here. Caleb had some very strong emotional feelings. He was feeling angry and shock, bitterness. He felt like he was going crazy. Again, blaming the whole relationship on her, and he becomes very defensive. Uh, wanting pretty much wanting out of the relationship, um, but what are we talking about today? We're talking about men and women, and how we look at things differently, right? Well, Catherine and Caleb had the same problem, and it was a bad communication problem and a bad respect problem for each other. But yet, Catherine has a totally different lookout look, out, look uh, outlook on the situation. Well, in the storyline, uh, Catherine as with about four or five of her friends. And she is getting comfort in the, in the fact that all her friends are backing her up. But what is she feeling? What doesn't Caleb do for her? Well, he is insensitive. He doesn't listen to her. And he doesn't care how she feels or knows what her needs are. He thinks the marriage is fine. Wives, well, you have to remember, and husbands, we look at problems differently. We are men. Ladies, you look at them differently too. You're more emotional. Guys think a lot of times out of sight out of mind. If we don't talk about something, maybe it'll go away. But guys, you have to consist, you have to constantly remember that your wife is more sensitive than you are. You do need to listen to her. You should care how she feels and you should want to know what her needs are. You should know what her needs are. That's being a loving husband. Caleb wasn't doing those things at all, so Catherine did feel rejected. How do you think Caleb felt when Catherine complained to her friends? Well, he felt bit done. felt he was being targeted. wasn't fair. Again, becoming more defensive, and that never solves any problem. Um, You know, it's not. It's uh, it's okay if you're having some struggles and you need to talk to somebody. But there's a fine line, and and the line is, what's your motivation for going and talking to friends? Is it because you want to get them on your side so you can feel better about your position so that you can be right because your friends are backing you up? If that's your motivation, then you're being selfish, and that's wrong. The only reason why you need to go to friends to air out some dirty laundry, so to speak, is if you're trying to get advice on what you should do, how can you improve yourself to make the marriage better? And getting godly advice, getting good advice from friends that will build you up and not tear you down, that's important. You've got to watch that and be careful. See, part of the problem here was each person wanted to blame each other for the entire failures of the marriage. Neither one of them wanted to take responsibility for their own actions. And this goes back to the basic problem. Men and women look at problems and situations totally different. Here they felt like each other didn't understand. nor wanted to. See, the key biblical principle here that we talked about last week, and we'll refer to it again, is in Luke 6:41 and 42, referring to having a log stuck in your eye, but worried about a little speck of sawdust in your partner's eye. See, we have to keep this in the front of our mind and we need to resist the urge to point fingers at one another. We need to focus on finding and correcting our own flaws so that you can personally become more like Christ. See, This will diffuse anger and it will ease conflict. Remember, you will only be held accountable for what you fail to do in your marriage. You're not responsible for your, your spouse's actions. So focus on yourself. That is true selfless love, that's what God expects of us to work on our own situation, work on our own problems regardless of whether your spouse responds or not. So because of this problem that we have because of the enmity because of the, the struggle that a marriage has to work God gives us some instruction on what to do to make it better. So let's look at Ephesians 5 because those are that gives us some instructions. In, uh, in what we're supposed to accomplish. Ephesians 5, 21-33. But for time, we're going to look at, uh, for the men, let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 25, and then a little bit further on, 28-29. and 29. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And then down in verse 28, It repeats it, says it again, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Let me give you an example of that, because I think it's it's a very good one. Guys, we're to love our wives as we love ourselves. Nourish and cherish our wives. You know, take uh, take the example of the bodybuilder or the the extreme athlete, the guy that works out uh, every day, um, worships his own body. He I mean, pushes it to the limit so there's zero body fat. He's got the six-pack abs, the muscles that bulge, uh, doesn't ever eat anything wrong, no drugs, no alcohol, taking the right vitamins. Um, this type of guy loves to walk by and look at himself in the mirror he worships his own body his body is the temple and he never ever would do anything to hurt it guys that's the way we're supposed to love our wives and put them up on a pedestal we're supposed to love them like that women what about you well let's look at verse 22 for the women because guys we're instructed to love our wives Wives, you're, you're instructed to respect your husbands, but it goes a little bit more than that. Verse 22, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Uh, and then a little bit later in the chapter, verse 33, it, uh, it finishes up the chapter, and it says that husband, or wives, you are to respect your husbands. So a lot of times guys guys like this chapter because they say, Yeah, we're we're the head of the house and the women are under us and they need to listen and obey us. Well, it's not entirely true and it's it's not what it means. Guys, it is true that we are the head of the house. God has placed us there as the spiritual leader in the family, and we are to take on that role very seriously and lead our family. Wives, you are to be the helper. And you are to be right alongside your husband, supporting him and respecting him in that role and helping him achieve that. But see, the the struggle and the problem that many wives have is they don't want to accept that role of, of helping their husbands and respecting their husbands in that role. They want to make those decisions. They want to take over. And you're going to struggle with that. But God says you are to be there respecting your husband and letting him lead the family as the spiritual leader, so we've gone over two words: love and respect. Well, let's let's see some general comments on on what love and respect looks like, and why is it important? Well, I looked up in the uh, dictionary what respect is, and by the way, these two these two words are not mutually exclusive, just for each other. In other words, guys, you are not just to love your wives, and that's it. Wives, you don't just respect your husbands. But those those are key. You need to key in on those because why? We're men. We like we we like respect. All right. We like our egos stroked. There's there's no secret in that. And so, wives, you are to respect us. Well, women, you are made a little bit different. Guys, you got to remember that they want to be loved. And we have to remember that as our as men as husbands. Well, let's look at respect. Some of the definitions that I found were to hold in esteem or honor, to regard as worthy of special consideration, to be held in high regard, or a feeling of appreciation for one's abilities. Wives, do you you appreciate, do you let your husbands know that you appreciate them for what they do? Do you hold them in high regard and find them worthy of special consideration for what they do in the family, for how they lead? You need to find something. I know there's something in your husband that you can find to respect and to, and to tell them about it and appreciate their abilities. It doesn't take much to, uh, to get us to do more. You've got to understand that about us. We don't need a whole lot of respect, just a little bit, and that goes a long way. I think it, I think it also applies to women. Let's look at love. Love, there's so many, so many uh, definitions for love, um, but I limited it to a few just to get the idea of how we should cherish our wives, which is one of them. It's tenderness, fondness, warmth, compassion, adoration, it's kindness, it's a deep and enduring emotional regard for your spouse. Do you care how she feels and and, and what she what she's doing? Do you have an emotional regard for your spouse? What about devotion? Are you devoted to her? Our wives want that. They want to know that you are devoted to them and that you care about what they're doing. Do you have a steadfast, enduring loyalty to your spouse? Okay? Our wives want us to be loyal to them and they want to feel that. It's a it's a feeling of strong attachment. You know, the fruit of the spirit goes hand in hand with a marriage which is things that we all need to strive for and work at is love, joy, peace long-suffering, patience temperance uh, but you notice the greatest of the fruits of the Spirit is love so what's the one thing that could that could wreck this the respect and love what's the one thing that could hinder it well it's our tongue it's the way we talk it's the way we talk to each other is one of the big problems in marriages, communication. And see there are a number of verses, many many verses in the Bible that speak on our tongue. And we need to communicate using words to build up our spouses and not tear them down. Let's look at Proverbs 15:1. There's a number of them in Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Guys and girls, we need to be gentle. We need to have gentle answers to situations and problems. We need to keep our spouses calm during discussion because harsh words only stir up anger. They never solve the problem. When you become harsh, when you use your tongue for the wrong reasons, you're only being selfish. Let's look down at verse four, Ephesians 15. A soothing tongue is the tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Let's look at verse 13. A joyful heart makes cheerful face, but when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. I mean, we can go on and on talking about your words that that uh, can hurt. I'm going to take a, a look at the book because love is built on two principles. And those principles are patience and kindness. And we need to have patience and kindness in our marriage, especially when we're dealing with uh, problems and issues that come up in our marriage, especially with the, uh, the pressures of marriage today. We have to be patient and kind and use, and use uh, calming words. Let me read something from the book. Anger is usually caused when the strong desire for something is mixed with disappointment or grief. You don't get what you want, you start heating up inside. It is often an emotional reaction that flows out of your own selfishness, there's that word again, selfishness, foolishness, or evil motives. Patience however, makes us wise. It doesn't rush to judgment, but it listens to what the other person is saying. Proverbs 14:29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered is a fool. You can't get much more plain than that, can you? You've got to watch what you say. You know, as sure as a lack of patience will turn your home into a war zone, patience, the practice of patience, will foster peace and quiet. Proverbs 15:18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. You know, we're talking about we're talking about arguments, misunderstandings. Can they always blow up into something more? They sure can. If we use harsh words, it'll never calm a dispute. We can go on and on with verses from the Bible to talk about that. Let's look at one more. Let's go to Ephesians 4.29 because Ephesians 4.10-29 continues to talk about this. And I'll get to it here. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment so it will give grace to those who hear in verse 32 be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you see we are only to use words that are good for edification words that will give grace and comfort to your spouse we aren't to use unwholesome words harsh mean derogatory statements that only tear down communication as I had said before it might you might feel better right away by yelling something, by speaking out a turn, by saying something derogatory. Has it ever though fixed the problem? Has your husband or wife ever come to you and and said thank you, thank you for yelling at me, thank you for calling me a name, because that fixed the problem, and I, and and we don't have to discuss it anymore. No, it never has, and it never will all you're doing is feeding your selfish desires and you're sinning against God and you're sinning against your, your your spouse we need to watch our tongue and and stop we need to stop yelling at each other we need to stop disagreeing we need to stop and listen and that's what that's what we need to talk about we need to stop and listen i'm going to look at well, there's one more one more page uh, in the book that I need to find because I think it's pretty important I want to talk about this is very uh, this is very important to listen to because this talks about in the heat of the moment what happens when you're selfish and not thinking of your partner. The deepest, most heartbreaking damage you'll ever do or have already done in your marriage will most likely occur in the thick of a conflict. That's because this is when your pride is strongest, your anger is the hottest, and you're the most selfish and judgmental. Again, and your words contain the most venom. And you make the worst decisions. I mean, how how much worse can you get? Your pride's the strongest, you're the hottest, you're the angriest, you're the most selfish during the struggle like this, and you make the worst decisions and you say the worst things. You know a great marriage on Monday can start, can start to tank on Tuesday just because of one conflict. And instead of dealing with just the issue at hand, we allow all these other things to enter into the, into the argument, which are all selfish, and they spawn more problems and they give more heartache. But see, this is where love steps in and changes things. Love reminds you that your marriage is too valuable to allow it to self-destruct and that your love for your spouse is way more important than whatever you're fighting about. We have to remember that, guys and girls, ladies. Our love for our spouses should be more important than any argument any disagreement that we have, we need to start remembering and thinking of our partner first. Watch our tongue. Remember, what does God command us to do? He commands us to love and respect each other. We've made a lifelong commitment, but yet we let little things in our marriage, little insignificant problems, blow up into these big arguments because we are selfish, because we don't want to give in. We want to, do exactly the opposite of what Luke 6 says. We want to place the blame on our spouse because we don't want to admit that we have a problem or that we are part of the problem. So, what's our love challenge this week? Well, wives, I think we need to see you need to show some type of respect to your husband this week by complimenting him and using edifying and wholesome words in your conversation. Find something this week. You know, it used to be many, many years ago when the uh, the roles were very defined. The husband went out and worked, and made the money and brought it home, and the wife was there cooking and cleaning and taking care of the children. And that's the way it was. Well, times are different now, and in many households, the man and the woman both work, both are busy, and both should share in the responsibility of the home. But does it hurt to, to, to tell your spouse that you appreciate that, that you, you thank him for doing the load of clothes, you thank him for changing, um, uh, helping with dinner, putting the dishes away? Uh, you can go on and on. She'll Find something this week to compliment your husband and show respect to him where you don't usually do it. Remember what I said, though. A little respect goes a long way with us. And, and I think you'll find that a little respect and he'll turn around and want to do more for you. Husbands, what about you? What should we do this week? Well, I think your challenge this week is to show your wife that you love her. By telling her and showing her this week, reveal your tender side, guys, and show her tenderness and kindness and compassion. Say, well, how do we do that? There's countless ways. Let's take the one from the movie so you can think of more on your own, but. How about a phone call this week? Call her when you don't n- normally call her, not because you just want to know what's for dinner or because you need something, but call her just because, because you were busy working, but you were thinking about her, and you couldn't can't wait get can't wait to get home and see her. And that's just one example. But remember, guys, you are to love and respect your wives, and the same with your wives. Let's try this week, especially in our conversation. Uh, to use wholesome words, we might be—you might be in a position now. We're in the a couple weeks in, and, and you might be trying to work out some issues because you realize that that's important. And uh, and things might come up in the relationship that are hard to deal with. Keep this in the front of your mind. If you have to put a fridge note on your fridge or on the bathroom wall, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But remind yourself that you're not going to use unwholesome words. Okay, you're going to only try and build up your spouse, and look in look inside yourself to find out what you can do to make your marriage better this week. Don't wait for your husband. Don't wait for your wife to make the first move. Do it yourself, and don't worry about them. Okay, that's what that's what true unselfish love is all about. That's what we'll be learning more throughout the coming upcoming weeks. But if you start to get these concepts now, you will start to understand what unselfish love really is. Thank you for your attention, and uh, sorry that this didn't record as it did in the classroom. There was a few things that I wasn't able to get in, uh, and it was a little different. But I hope you got the principles here. Uh, And the main focus today was that we are different. God made us different for a good reason, and it was perfect. We were made to complement each other, even though we were different. And don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive thing. Too many times we look at it as a negative thing now in our lives because of sin. But God did this for a good reason. Unfortunately, sin is what messed it up for us. And you have to remind yourself that we deal with this. We struggle. We have to work with, with our marriage Every day, all day long. And that's because of sin. Remember, we will put enmity between the husband and the wife. And that's a constant battle. But it's something that you must work at so that you can understand true love. All right? and, and remember, God gave us examples. He gave us examples in the Bible to love and to respect each other. And he gave us the ultimate example in Jesus Christ of selfless love. Someone who forgave us for everything that we've done, past, present, and future, not because we deserved it, not because we asked for it, because he was the ultimate example of selfless love. I hope you can uh, take some of these these, uh, challenges about love and respect. and and try to apply them this week in your marriage.